Hi, everyone. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Off the Bench podcast. Today, I'm going to take some time and answer some listener questions, including some questions about how to deal with someone who's a chronic complainer and what do you do when your child is living in habitual sin. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys have joined me, and I want to start by saying today how much we are loving going uh, through my new Bible study. If you guys are on YouTube, check it out, because I brought it here to show you again today. It's called The Peaceful Fruit of Righteousness, and we are working through this study at Mom Strong International. So if you would like to know what God says about how you can have peace in your home, it's very clear in the Bible that we want to stay inside the boundaries that God sets up for us. And so what does that look like? We're going to look at it this month, all throughout the month of November, the peaceful road fruit of righteousness, parenting principles for every season of parenting. I am enjoying hearing from you. And yesterday I had my friend Mark Sherwood on the show. And normally I do listener questions, but we decided to make that whole show related to questions that Dr. Mark could answer. And so I hope you guys are enjoying that. If you have a question that you would like Mark to answer and it's related to health or it's related to emotional health, uh, you can certainly shoot that to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday, and we will make every effort to get that question to him and answer it on the show. All right, you have been sending in some really great questions, and I'm taking a little bit of a break today from all of the political hullabaloo and all the things that we're dealing with as it relates to the fallout from the elections. And boy, howdy, I'll tell you, I mean, I I, I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time because the direction of the country is absolutely being determined now by people who seem to have very little regard for liberty, absolutely very little regard for the things of the Lord. And I think we're going to start to see it have a devastating impact. And so what do we have to do when the culture is in crisis? We turn to the word of God. And a lot of the questions that are coming in to me at the show are questions related to children that are struggling, questions related to uh, particularly homosexuality has been elevated in the culture. I mentioned this last time that I talked about uh, Christians and homosexuality and what God's view of it is. And I'm going to keep saying this. It matters very little what we think as individuals. If we claim to be Christians, if we claim to be Christ followers, then we need to study the Bible. And you will always find Christians who will say, well, yes, but I don't believe the Bible says that. Or look at this verse over here. It doesn't really say this. I think it says that. This is why we need discernment. You're going to find people right now who are going to tell you that men can chest feed and that men can have babies and that girls can become boys. And some of them are Christians and they're going to point to scriptures to back up what they're saying. But I have a friend in North uh, Northern Washington who says, if you torture a verse long enough, it'll confess to anything. And that's certainly what we're seeing in the culture right now. And so I'm going to answer your questions today and hopefully take you back to the Bible. The first one comes from Sarah in Tennessee. She says, dear Heidi, I have been married to my husband for some time. I love him and do my best to honor and respect him. However, he is by nature a complainer. He finds skepticism in most things and situations. I've given him loads of grace in this area because of his upbringing. He was raised in a godless home in a very volatile situation and slowly working through those areas. Uh, His attitude, though, just downright stinks sometimes. And if I'm honest, I'm exhausted by it. I don't know how to go on sometimes. I'm a sunshine person by nature, so it really gets draining. I love him deeply. 
and pray for this. Any tips would be appreciated. Okay, so first of all, I love this question, Sarah, because I can tend to be a pessimist by nature. I can tend to be a complainer also. I have to really, I think partly because God's gifted me to be an exhorter, I have to look very hard and ask the Lord to help me see the bright side of things help me um, be an encourager and not just an exhorter. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is good for building up as fits the occasion so that it might give grace to those who hear. And I've, I've found a couple of articles that I'm going to link back to in the show notes today for you. But I think that there are times, and this might be one of them, when we should be confronting uh, complainers because it is draining and it is frustrating. And I have been confronted about it before in my own life. But in think in some cases, complaining is just a habit that we get ourselves into and it needs to be broken. And sometimes these habits are so ingrained that we have a hard time stopping them, but it's worth trying. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to do a couple of things. First of all, be careful when you're Around a complainer all the time, it becomes very easy to be that complainer yourself. And if we're not careful, we can be influenced to share in the discontent and the continual misery of the person who's grumbling or likes to be complaining. So we want to be very careful that our speech honors the Lord. Proverbs 15 verse 4 says that the tongue can be nourishing. It can bring healing. It's like a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue does what? It crushes the spirit. Complaining can be toxic to the soul. So when, we, uh, when we're constantly whining or when we're around people that are constantly whining, it makes us feel sick at heart. And I got to tell you, uh, Sarah, you sent this letter in and I really was convicted in my own heart. And I, had to, I took a moment and I was like, Lord, this is kind of for me because I can absolutely be that person who is chronically complaining. And so... Uh, some people will say, well, you, you know, it's, it's a good idea to limit your contact with the complainer, which I completely agree. And you can do this with your friendships, pretty hard to do it with a spouse. And so uh, keep in mind, the Bible says, and this is what I talked about uh, last month when we were talking about Halloween and all the things that we bring into our homes, Philippians 4, 8, whatever's good, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute. If, if, if there's anything praiseworthy or excellent, uh, put your mind on those things. Also, I have found it really helpful with my children uh, to remember the Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. That's Proverbs 15, verse 1. And so we want to carefully consider how do we speak to someone who is unhappy? How do we speak to someone who is uh, grumbling or complaining? And pray for him, right? And so usually if someone's grumbling or complaining, it's coming from a place of discontent or frustration. And so maybe the the tack you need to take with your husband is say, hey, I noticed that you're complaining a lot. Is something really bothering you? Is there something I can be praying for you about? Is there a way that I can help you? And then finally, you want to learn how to just keep your joy. Keep your joy around your husband, right? If you've got, if you're around someone who's whining and complaining, you can be the person that is joyful. The Bible says that joy is a fruit of the spirit. In other words, it has nothing to do with our circumstances, it has nothing to do with politics, it has nothing to do with the the economy or inflation or whether or not your kids are treating you respectfully. Fruit of the Spirit comes from walking with God, and joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's this feeling, the sense of, of contentment, the blessings, and recognizing all of the good things that God has given, him, given us. So hold on to those things. In the midst of all of this, I'm going to encourage you, hold on to it, pray for your husband, continue to love him, Sarah, and I know good things 
are coming. All right. Parenting question comes from Courtney in Ohio. She says, hi, Heidi. I am a homeschool mom of three. Hey, Courtney, how are you, girl? Lately, my 13-year-old son has been very disrespectful toward me, back-talking, telling me how to parent. Oh, no, no, no. We, that is not okay, Courtney. He acts like he is the third parent and that he can discipline his eight-year-old brother whenever his brother is annoying. I don't know how to handle it anymore. My heart is broken that he's acting this way. Okay, so first of all, you're not alone. There is a transition that happens with young boys, especially as they enter the teen years. And I'm telling you what, I think it ramps up and gets harder. I know some of you moms have had perfect young sons and they never disrespected you. They never backtalked you and you never had, uh, there never was a harsh word spoken between the two of you. Well, congratulations, but you're really in the minority. The rest of us have had our hearts broken by our boys at one point or another. And I, I always like to tell moms, look, the sole uh, reason for existing for young boys in particular is to emotionally murder their mothers is to let them know, hey, I, you know, I don't need your help anymore. Thank you so much for bringing me up to this point. I can take it from here. And we want our men, right? We want our young boys to eventually be independent, godly young men who can lead their own homes. And so that separation is natural. What's not good, even if it's natural, is the disrespect and the disobedience. What's not good is for you to feel like your son is disrespecting you. This is a really good place for your husband to step in, for your husband to say, oh, no, 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 we don't talk to our mom that way, or you don't talk to your mom that way. And so this is what uh, this is what I'm going to do to make sure that that doesn't continue to happen. Don't tolerate that in your child, because what your son is doing right now is he is learning how he will treat his own wife. I know it sounds weird, but it's completely true. I've seen this uh, play out over and over and over again. The way that a man treats his mother will typically be the way he treats his wife. If he is respectful toward his mom, if he is uh, consistently kind toward her, and I'm not talking about in a dependent kind of a way, I'm just saying in an honoring kind of a way, then there's a good chance he's going to be a wonderful husband who will treat his wife with love and respect also. And so I would require that of my son. And if you're not doing the study with me, uh, the peaceful fruit of righteousness, I want to just encourage you to do it because God wants to transform you through knowing his word. And as he transforms you, he will also transform your mothering and your grandmothering at the same time. And so I want you just to be encouraged about what God uh, is doing in your life. And he wants to be present in these decisions. He wants to be present in the day-to-day of your life in the questions that come up with how to parent your kids. Guys, listen, if you've got a question and I'm happy to answer them here and I absolutely love doing it, but I just want to remind you, the Lord has answers for you and he wants to hear from you and he wants to walk with you and talk with you. He wants to give you the encouragement that your soul so desperately needs. And we get that by walking in right relationship with the Lord and by every day going before him. And so I'm going to encourage you Uh, take that before the Lord, Courtney, let him know what's going on because God wants to pour into you so that you can pour into your son. And I hope you'll join me at MomStrong International. I think you will love the study, The Peaceful Fruit of Righteousness. It was written for parents just like you. And I think you're going to be really encouraged. I'm going to take a break, but when I come back, I'm going to address a question from Sarah who lives in California and feels stuck there because she can't leave, especially in light of Proposition 1 passing. And then I'm going to finish today by answering another question on homosexuality. Stick around, you guys. I'll be right back. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Sarah in California wrote in and said, Dear Heidi, California just passed Proposition 1 and I can't fathom living here any longer. However, I have a child aged 10 from a previous marriage prior to becoming a Christian. He married my ex-best friend and they will stop at nothing to do whatever is the opposite of what I want. How can I continue to live in this Babylon state for eight more years? I'm already heavily involved in the local level of politics of the board of supervisors and school boards, even though we homeschool. Good for you. I'm proud of you, Sarah. I feel defeated, lost, and hopeless. What do we in California do to move forward if we can't leave? So listen, uh, I understand how you feel. And it's I, I'm here in Washington State, and we're having uh, similar struggles uh, here. But I'm going to encourage you that just like Daniel prospered in uh, Babylon, you can prosper in California. California absolutely is a modern-day Babylon, but you also have some amazing men and women who are leading the fight for faith and freedom there in California. And so I'm going to encourage you to stay in there and pray. There's a reason that people go to California, right? I was in San Clemente uh, several months back, and I'm telling you what, I woke up every day and I was looking at the ocean. I'm like, and this is why people want to live in California. It is gorgeous in California. And so I know you're frustrated. If God wants you to move, by the way, Sarah, he's going to tell you. And so if you feel the need to move, then bring it before the Lord and ask the Lord if that's what he wants you to do. But it seems to me that God has you right where you are right now for such a time as this. And you are Esther in California. Look at yourself that way, right? And start taking these things before the Lord and asking him to give you peace. And not only peace, because we really do need the peace that passes understanding right now, but joy, the kind of joy that when people look at you go, how can you have so much joy living in the corrupt, disgusting state of California? And I mean, there are so many people that I love in in California. Uh, and my heart breaks for him because, you know, I'm living in Washington State. We got massive problems of our own, but I don't want people looking at Washington State and saying, man, I sure hope that state would fall off into the ocean. You know, I live here. <laughs> my, my grandkids live here. Uh, Friendly Planet Homeschool Resource Center is here. There's a lot of good things going on. And so uh, I would encourage you, you're doing the right thing, so keep doing it. Don't grow weary in well-doing, right? That's what the Bible teaches because there's going to come a point when you're going to reap a harvest. And we always, no matter what situation we're in in our lives, we are in either a season of sowing or a season of reaping. Right now with your son, you are in a season of sowing. Don't miss the opportunity to sow into his life. Sow into his life and ask the Lord to give you the mercy and the grace that you need to live in California. And I know that he has really good things for you. And I can't wait to actually hear what happens. So keep me posted. And you seem like a real off the bencher. And I know a bunch of really good pastors in California be sad to see you leave. All right, one more question. It's a follow-up question from Sherry in Illinois. We've actually heard from several of you on this topic since I answered her question last week. Remember, she's the one who said her son is homosexual. He's getting married. She doesn't see anything wrong with um, getting, you know, being happy with him because she's happy that he's happy and she doesn't think how anything that can make him happy could be wrong. And I said last week that happiness is not the measure 
of godliness. But Sherry wrote back in, hey, Sherry, and I'm putting Sherry, I'm putting your question above several other questions just because uh, it seems time sensitive to me and I don't want to miss the opportunity to address it. And I do appreciate your writing in. She said, Heidi, I would first like to say thank you for taking time to answer my first question about my son marrying his same sex partner. I have a follow-up question. I've been praying about this for a while and I've asked God to send me answers and I believe he has. He has told me to support my son and some I know will not agree. My question to you is, is it possible that we have misinterpreted what the Bible has said about homosexuality? Many people interpret different verses in different ways and maybe they have ones about homosexuality wrong. Just like Romans 13, many people interpreted that very differently. I know we don't agree on everything, but I'm just trying to figure this out. So Sherry, thank you for writing in to me on this topic. Listen, in some people's minds, uh, you know, being homosexual is just outside of the control of of their bodies. Just like uh, I can't control the color of my skin and I can't control the state that I was born in and I can't control my height. Uh, On the other hand, the Bible clearly and consistently declares that homosexual activity is a sin. Genesis 19, 1 to 13, Romans 1, verses 26 to 27, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, 1 Corinthians, or uh, 1 Timothy, rather, chapter 1, verse 10. And there is, I agree with you, Sherry, there is a shift happening among Christians. And it's occurring not just in progressive liberal churches, but in uh, what used to be really solid, biblically based, uh, foundationally secure Christian churches. And I think that the reason is clear. It's, I've been saying this before. We are living in a biblically illiterate generation of, of, uh, of Christians. So people who claim to know the Bible, but they don't know it, and they're cherry picking the verses that they want to pick, and they're choosing to ignore God's clear instructions in his word. So there are a lot of churches that 15 years ago might have been solid in this area, but as the cultural pressure has increased more and more and more, now they're claiming, well, the Bible doesn't uh, doesn't condemn homosexual activity, and maybe its commands aren't valid for today because it's a reflection of the culture and blah, 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 blah. These are a lot of the same people that are telling you uh, that men can get pregnant. And they'll give you verses from the Bible. And like I said at the at the start of the show, if you torture a verse long enough, it'll confess to anything. And I recall, you know, talking to, because my husband and I went to Multnomah School of Bible a long time ago, and we were hearing at the very beginning of this, back in the early 90s, you know, people who would come back and, and say, well, I, I don't want someone to think I'm homophobic. And, you know, and and we don't want to jump into these these hot cultural topics. And one huge mistake that the church made was to decide that when we did talk about it, we elevated the this, this sexual sin in homosexual relationships above every other kind of a sin. And that's absolutely wrong. We elevated above every other sin. And if we're going to rightly handle the word of truth, like the Bible says that we're supposed to, then we need to look at every area of our own lives and be just as ready to apply the same behavioral standard to ourselves as we do to others. We have to know, and Sherry, this is the thing I want you to understand. We have to know what God says. We have to know what does God think. That's what's important. It doesn't matter what Heidi St. John thinks. It doesn't matter what your son thinks. It doesn't even matter what you think. It matters what God thinks. And so we want to find the basis for right and wrong. And so we have to believe, first of all, that right and wrong exists. So there really is a difference between right and wrong. And right now we're living in an area of, uh, an era of subjective truth, meaning 
you have your truth and I have my truth. And, you know, Oprah Winfrey found her truth and, uh, and it's, it's killing us because there is such a thing as truth. And we want our values to be based in God. God is by his nature perfect. He is good. He's just, he's loving, he's kind, he's merciful, he's generous. And all of the good things that we have in our lives come from him because they're a reflection of his character. Now, God in his perfectly good nature has given us guardrails in the form of moral commandments. And these constitute our moral responsibility before the Lord. And there absolutely is no no way around this. So if you want to know what God thinks, you got to look to the Bible. And the Bible specifically says that God forbids homosexual acts. So therefore, they are wrong. And entering into homosexual union is wrong. It's explicitly wrong. So the Bible says a couple of things. And I want you to think about how we reason according to the Bible as Christians, right? So we understand as Christians that we are obligated to do God's will. And how, how do we know what his will is? He expresses it in the Bible. And when we're talking about human sexuality, we know that adultery is wrong. We know that fornication, sex outside of marriage is wrong. We know that God made marriage between one man and one woman for the marriage relationships. He, he made sex for one man and one woman inside the marriage relationship, and he forbids homosexual behavior. And so therefore, homosexual behavior is against God's will. It's wrong. And if someone's going to resist this reasoning, you've got to deny either that God's will is expressed in the Bible or that the Bible forbids homosexual behavior. And so to to deny the Bible's clear instruction on this issue is to deny the Bible's authority. And now you're just cherry picking what you will and you won't adhere to. And that is dangerous. Every single New Testament reference to homosexual behavior is found among a list of sins. And we have been criticized, and I think rightly so, for focusing on the sin of homosexuality and ignoring the others. And Paul gives us a list in Galatians 5, chapter uh, chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions. When was the last time you heard a sermon on selfish ambition or envy or drunkenness? He said, I warn you, as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we we don't, I mean, you don't have to look very far to find examples of every single thing that I just read to you. But we are very, very quick to criticize the sins of sexual immorality. And I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna say it again, louder for the people in the back, sexual sin is no worse than any other sin. But here is what is important. There is a question of premeditation in sexual sin. And this is what makes it such a serious one. So I'm teaching this right now at MomStrong International. And as parents, we understand that childhood disobedience is much more serious when the child has thought about it and understood the clear commandment that I've given them or the clear instruction, but they went ahead and they did it anyway. That is much more serious than a spontaneous act of foolishness that was also disobedience. Does that make sense? So generally speaking, it takes thought to commit the sins of idolatry, of pride, of selfish ambition, and it takes uh, it takes even more thought to commit sexual sin, sexual immorality. And in the heat of the moment, sexual sins are fueled by something other than reason. We all know this, right? Something that has a way of shouting down our rational objections. And this is why the Bible calls them sins of passion. Paul warned the Corinthians to flee, to run 
from sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, not because it's more serious than any of the other sins, but because it is most likely to overwhelm us. This is what we have taught our children. Run from sexual sin because you get yourself in that situation and you're going to have a hard time getting out of it. So Sherry, when you support your son's marriage, you are encouraging and enabling him to commit a premeditated sin. Think about that. Love rejoices in the truth, and we want our children to walk in truth and righteousness and thereby experience the blessing of walking in obedience. This is the Christian way of understanding right and wrong. There really is such a thing as being God who created the world and made us to know him and love him. He really has commanded certain things. And even though we may not like them, it is not up to us to decide what is right and what is wrong. We are commanded in scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to obedience. And this is an area of obedience. And it will be an area for you to obey as you shepherd uh, your son and as you love him well. And we are called to love. And so I just want to encourage you again, there are there are wonderful articles uh, that I found including one that I have quoted in this uh, in this podcast today that I will link back to all those things in the show notes today. I hope you'll take the time to go check it out at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Just scroll down. You can click on today's episode and I'm going to link back to some really great articles. These are not easy topics, but we have got to address them from a biblical perspective. God would have us obey his word. And so I'm not here to tell you, man, what a, you know, what an easy thing to do or anything like that. I'm just saying God's word on this topic is not ambiguous. He is very, very clear that uh, he has made us to function in his image in a certain way sexually. And for, for the modern church, I don't care what denomination you're in to deny God's clear teaching on this is going to lead to uh, heartache. And in fact, it already is. And so Sherry, I thank you for writing in. I have a lot more questions I would like to get to, and I'll try to get to some of them tomorrow and throughout the week. But in the meantime, if you guys have questions or something that you would like me to address, I would also love to hear your thoughts on the election that just happened. I'd love to hear what's going on in your neck of the woods and how you are getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. You guys, we have got to stay encouraged and stay in God's word. We are called to be Uh, a light in the world that we live in. And how do we see what the light is? We read God's word. God said his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for leaving reviews. It is time for you guys to think about sending Christmas cards to us here at the Homeschool Resource Center. And you can send them to me, Heidi St. John, Care of Firmly Planted Family, 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington. 98682. If you are so inclined and this podcast blesses you, we will link back to how you can support it in the show notes today. Also, I want to remind you that the the sponsors of this show are a way that we keep this on the air and keep it coming to you five days a week. Please consider buying from the sponsors uh, whose advertisements we are blessed to have on the show. And we are so grateful for your support in that way as well. Have a great day, everybody. And I will see you back here again tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. If you'd like to know the Bible more, join me at MomStrong International for this month's study, The Peaceful Fruit of Righteousness.